Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Down to Football back with another episode. Hope you guys are doing well. The season is starting to round out. The playoff race is getting warmer and warmer. A lot of teams fighting for that wild card spot. A lot of teams fighting for the number one seed in their respective conferences, both the NFC and the AFC, of course. A lot of good matchups this upcoming week that we will get right into. But first, obviously, have to do our recap. So let's just get right into it. So first off, I know it's not like the most important game maybe for one team, but needs to be talked about. The Lions take down the Vikings for their first win of the season, 29-27. It was a very good game. Somehow the Vikings found a way to lose in the last few seconds. Jared Goff went 25 of 41 with 296 yards and three touchdowns and one pick. He did just earn himself the NFC Player of the Week, to my surprise at least. Uh, very shocked that Justin Jefferson didn't get it, but it is what it is. Jamal Williams, in place of DeAndre Swift, had 17 carries for 71 yards. He also added a catch for 9 yards. Rookie Amon Ross St. Brown had 10 catches, 86 yards, and the game-winning touchdown in the final few seconds of the game. TJ Hawkinson also had four catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. Other tight end, Brock Wright, uh, no offense, have never heard of him, but he was a key contributor in this game. He had two catches for 28 yards and another touchdown. The defense had three sacks and a fumble, fumble recovery. Crazy game from the Lions, fall all the way to the end, deserved the win. Kirk Cousins had a pretty good game, 30 of 40. With 350 yards, two touchdowns, he did also fumble. Alexander Madison in place of Dalvin Cook being a workhorse. 22 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. He also added three catches for 34 yards. Justin Jefferson, like I said, I thought he would have gotten NFC Player of the Week. He exploded in this one for 11 catches for 182 yards and a touchdown. KJ Osborne had four catches for 47 yards. The defense had three sacks one interception, and one fumble recovery. I'm pretty sure K.J. Osborne also had the other touchdown. Now, the second game. This was more so a game where two teams are fighting for a wild card spot. It was the Washington football team against the Las Vegas Raiders. The football team comes out on top 17-15. The football team throughout the season has had their struggles with their defense, but as of lately, they've been able to turn it around, so it's good for them. Taylor Heineke had a quality day, 23 of 30, only 196 passing yards, two touchdowns, did throw an interception, but overall a decent day from him. Antonio Gibson, without J.D. McKissick, had 23 carries for 88 yards and also added five catches for 23 yards and a touchdown. Logan Thomas had three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown, but he did suffer a torn MCL and ACL in this game, so hopefully he can come back next season at some point. It's a very tragic injury, uh, often a career ender, so pray for a good recovery from him. Terry McLaurin was fairly quiet in this game. He only had three catches for 22 yards. The defense only had two sacks, no turnovers, but they played they played very, very good football this game, and they end up getting the win 17-15. to Oh, I forgot about the the Raiders. Derek Carr had, went 28 for 38, 249 yards, 
No touchdowns, no turnovers. Josh Jacobs had 12 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. He also had nine catches for 38 yards. Hunter Renfro goes over 100 yards with nine catches. The defense had a sack and an interception, but unfortunately the Raiders could not get it done. And then again, another very key matchup. This one, a divisional matchup between the Steelers and the Ravens. The Steelers fighting for a wildcard spot, and they're technically still in the race for the division. The Ravens are trying to extend their lead within the division and are shooting for the number one seed. In this game, the Steelers win 22-19, and I'll explain why. Ben Roethlisberger goes 21 of 31 for 236 yards, two touchdowns, turnover-free football. Quality game from him. Najee Harris, efficiency still not there, but not much you can do behind that Steelers O-line. He had 21 carries for 71 yards, also added five catches for 36 yards. Deontay Johnson, looking like a true wide receiver, won this season, had a great game, eight catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. The defense had seven sacks, three and a half of those, I believe, coming from TJ Watt, and they also had an interception. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, had went 23 of 37 for 253 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He also had 55 yards on the ground with eight carries. DeMonta Freeman is the clear-cut number one running back for the Ravens as of right now. He had 14 carries for 52 yards, one touchdown. He also added five catches for 45 yards. Marquise Brown was their leading receiver with five catches for 55 yards, and right behind him was Mark Andrews with four catches for 50 yards. Sammy Watkins right behind him with four catches for 39 yards and a touchdown, and the defense only had one sack. Now, the Ravens had to drive down the field. It was 13-20, to and they ended up getting the touchdown. Sammy Watkins, the one who caught the touchdown, and they decided to go for a two-point conversion. It was a great play call. The, the receiver had separation. Lamar Jackson just couldn't quite put it right in his hands and went off his hands or off one hand, and he dropped it. And instead of getting the win on that two-point conversion, they end up losing the game, and I believe they are now 8-4 and four or 8-5. and five. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I can tell you in a moment they're 8-4. and four. So uh, really a crazy game, uh, wild finish. Lamar Jackson, I don't think, is he just doesn't look that great right now. I don't know what's going on with the Ravens, but their their offense has been very, very lackluster as of lately. Moving on, we got our outstanding performers from week 14, or week 13, I believe it was week 13, correction. QB, we got Tom Brady. Came out firing from the get-go, went 38 of 51. He is 44 years old and throwing 51 passes, absolutely mind-blowing. 368 yards, four touchdowns, and only one pick. And a great day from him. Kyler Murray back 11 of 15, only through 15 passes in a very wet, wild game with some crazy weather conditions. He, like I said, 11 of 15, 123 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Also added 10 carries for 59 yards and two touchdowns. So a four-touchdown day from him. And he makes our outstanding performance list wide receiver. We got three. We got Justin Jefferson, who I briefly mentioned, 11 catches for 182 yards and a touchdown. He went absolutely berserker in that game. Chris Godwin set a franchise record, I believe, with 15 catches. He also had 143 yards, a quality day from him. Not averaging 10 yards a catch, but still the fact that he got that many catches and it's getting targeted that many times, wow. Deontay Johnson talked about him, 8 catches for 105 yards and 2 touchdowns. I know Cooper Cup also went over 100 yards. There were some other guys who went over 100 yards. But the touchdowns included, 
and having 15 catches, and then obviously Justin Jefferson just exploding. Those are your wide receiver outstanding performers. And running back, Javante Williams' first game without Melvin Gordon. Finally got to see a true workhorse roll. 23 carries, 102 yards, 6 catches for 76 yards, and a touchdown. He went absolutely crazy in this game. This is what they drafted him for. Uh, you know, they do still have Melvin Gordon. I'm sure when he comes back, he'll still take touches. But Javante Williams moving forward for that franchise is a clear-cut choice uh, to to be their franchise running back. Jonathan Taylor, talk about franchise running backs, did his usual thing. 32 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he's running over every single defense that he plays. Simply put, nothing else to say. And then we have our tight ends. George Kittle, wild day from him. Nine catches for 181 yards and two touchdowns. And he also had a carry for five yards. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, he's your clear-cut, outstanding performer for tight end. But you still, we also do, I added two other people uh, for tight ends. Dallas Goddard also had a great day with Gardner Minshew making his first start for the Eagles. He had six catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. And then Gronk also had four catches for 58 yards and two touchdowns. It was a day for those three tight ends. And those are your outstanding performers for week 13. Now, moving on to our next part of this podcast, we got the fantasy playoff push. And, you know, throughout the season, there's players that have most definitely probably carried your team. And then there's also players that you drafted high that you just really, really need to step up and they're just not doing much right now. And you you need a big game from them sometime soon. So let's go over some of those players. So QB. And this might sound crazy, but let's talk about Lamar Jackson. He's been pretty rough lately. So he's 20 or less points in four of his last six games. And this is just a standard PPR league. No bonus, not half PPR, just full PPR standard league. 20 or less points in four of the last six games. He has not been a reliable option at the quarterback position for fantasy. I do think that, you know, he's always startable solely because his floor with his rushing. But... Passing-wise, he just isn't doing much. He has 10 interceptions in the last six games, uh, and I think that's very, very worthy of noting. So if you're looking for a guy to get you a ton of passing touchdowns, Lamar Jackson's probably not the way to go. Uh, I do think that he could step it up. He has a game this week against Cleveland, although uh, they didn't really put up many points against Cleveland last time they played. So I don't. it's slightly a risky start, but again, that rushing floor is very, very big and not many quarterbacks in fantasy really have that rushing floor outside maybe Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray uh, and obviously Lamar Jackson but I just think the fact that he is in a slew of bad fantasy games and he's thrown so many picks over his last six games I think that you know if you're pushing for a playoff spot you you know you probably drafted Lamar Jackson decently high as well I really think that you need to I, I think you start Lamar Jackson but I, I don't think you can really expect a crazy game from him right now. The offense is just too dysfunctional. And then our next quarterback that I have on this list is Derek Carr. Uh, half of his games this season have been below 20 points, and then four of those games are in the last five games. So he has been pretty, pretty awful fantasy-wise as of lately. He has five touchdowns in his last five games. Uh, total touchdowns, I mean, he's not a rushing touchdown guy, but he doesn't have any regardless for those last five games, and he only has fat five passing touchdowns. He's not getting it done. Last week, he didn't have a single passing touchdown against the football team in, in, a, in a what seemed like a smash, a smash matchup. Derek Carr, I, I'm, 
there's probably better options. I think he Derek Carr is more of a, a matchup-based quarterback if you want to star him. But then again, Washington was also a very highly ranked matchup because Washington's secondary has been pretty vulnerable this year. Uh, their defense has been stepping up as of lately in totality, not just not just uh, the secondary, but every portion of that defense. But Derek Carr, he's just been such a question mark. He started off so hot this season, and now he's just extremely cold. So I think that you know if he's your only option, you're kind of just throwing a Hail Mary at that point for him to maybe get 15 points. But if you're really, really relying on him, then he definitely needs to step it up. Uh, I do have him in one league. Fortunately, I have Tom Brady in that league, so I don't necessarily need to start Derek Carr. But if you can find a better option based on matchup who uh, for a guy who can get a decent amount of points, I would go for it. But if you're relying on Derek Carr, man, you just you just need to hope that he has a good game. Wide receiver. Now, this one might be a little bit of a, a hot topic. Not hot topic. Uh, uh, a very cold opinion. I think Terry McLaurin needs to step it up. You know, if we're looking at, at his stretch over the past couple of games. So, in the last five games, he only has 21 catches. So, he's averaging... What five point or four point two catches per game, uh, in the last five games? So that's definitely not a good luck. You could probably say that he's maybe averaging six, seven targets in the in those games. So he hasn't really done much. Isn't finding a ton of space. He only has one touchdown in the last five games as well, and that's extremely concerning. Uh, Terry McLaurin has been, in my opinion, very boomer bust this year. It, it really depends on what the game plan is. Last week, it, it, you know, they ran the ball a ton of times. So that's probably why Terry McLaurin wasn't too involved. It was a low-scoring game, not a lot of throwing. I just, obviously you start him. I I don't think there's any debate about that just because of his ceiling. He has a very high ceiling, but we have also seen his floor be pretty, pretty bad. You know, last game he had three catches for, I believe, 22 yards. I briefly mentioned it when doing the recap. Uh, And I also want to mention that he has under 20 points in six of the, the last eight games as well, so his big plays and his big points days haven't really come as of lately. So, uh, again, I still think he's 100% somebody you have to start. His talent is is undeniable. I don't know whether it's Taylor Heineke's fault or not. I'd like to think that it's really more so a game script kind, kind of thing. But regardless, I still think you start Terry. I just think that, you know, the whole point of the segment is players who need to step up, so Terry would honestly fall under that, in my opinion. This one is more obvious. It is Cortland Sutton. He has been awful since Jerry Judy has come back, and I don't necessarily think that's on him. Denver has been really establishing run game all season, uh, using a two-headed monster between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, and even with Melvin Gordon out this past week, they still committed to the run game with Javante. They lost, simply put, they still lost, but Jamonte Williams is the clear-cut number one in that situation. And then you also, and Melvin Gordon should be coming back next week. Not a hundred percent sure, but since Jerry Judy has returned, he's been the primary target hog, and they do have a lot of targets on that offense. You know, with Tim Patrick, Quinlan Sun, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, the other tight end. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but all of these guys get involved. So, realistically, it's kind of just a game script type deal. But Coyland Sutton, nine, ca- nine catches in the last five games. That's brutal. And he only has 20-plus points in only three games this season. 
you know, he just got that mega extension. He just got paid. You would think, all right, this guy's about to ball out now. I, I truly think this is a subset of Teddy Bridgewater. Look, I, as a Saints fan, I love what Teddy Bridgewater did with us, but I don't think he is the quarterback of the future for the Denver Broncos. He's been, he's been pretty meh in most games. But, you know, this we're talking about Cortland Sutton here, and I don't think you he, – he's not even startable. If he's your last last resort, then I, I understand. But I would try to not start him. And, again, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's game script, and I think it's, it's Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Jerry Judy's not even going that crazy either. He's getting the targets, but he's not doing much with them. So don't start Cortland Sutton if you can. Just want to put that out there. If you do, better hope that he steps up. Two running backs. We got Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, he, he actually hasn't been that bad fantasy-wise this season, but for a guy that you probably drafted in the first round, you would expect a lot more, and you would also expect Tony Pollard, his backup, to not get as many carries and workload as he is. So Zeke has 20-plus points in only 4 out of 12 games this season. Again, something you would not expect from a first-round pick. Four out of 12 games. That is poor. He's also, like I said, seeing his workload decrease with and Pollard's is increasing. And on top of this, again, what makes it the worst part is that he was probably your first-round pick, maybe even top seven. He just hasn't been efficient this year. He still does get a little bit involved with the passing game. Doesn't get a ton of yards out of it, but he's involved. And he does still get a lot of goal-line carries. But... In essence, Zeke just hasn't been Zeke this year. He honestly has been going downhill since his rookie season. You can see his stats have been steadily declining since his rookie season. I don't know what it is with Zeke. I don't know if the Cowboys are seeing something that we're not seeing. I know at times he's been a little bang, been, bleh, at times he has been a little bit banged up this year. But Jerry Jones said that you know he's committed to to feeding Zeke even if he plays. So. Obviously, there's no reason not to start him. It's Zeke. He, you know, the, he'll still get you points. It just might not be what you're expecting from a first-round pick. Speaking of first-round picks, Saquon was also likely a first-round pick. He's only averaging 63.5 yards uh, from scrimmage per game this season. He has three touchdowns in eight games this year. And he also missed time due to injury. He just hasn't been doing much. Uh, he doesn't look as great as he did his rookie year. And I think that's because the offense has been dysfunctional. They simply can never establish a decent passing game. They can't even establish a decent running game. The offensive line is is brutal. Uh, and Saquon, again, also, you know, getting banged up. He's coming off a torn ACL and an ankle injury now. He, he doesn't look as great as he used to be. I, I think... It's kind of just the offense as a whole. I think you put him behind a good O-line. He definitely does much better, but you could also say that about a lot of running backs. But because of Saquon's ability to make big plays happen, he's ob- obviously if they get to the goal line, he's going to be the goal line running back, and he's always involved in the passing game. He's clearly a guy you want to start every single week, but it does come with some risk just due to the offense that he's, that he's in. And... That's that. Again, another guy that you probably drafted in the first round. Really, really disappointing. And honestly, you can say that about a lot of running backs this year. Derrick Henry got hurt. CMC is now hurt. Dalvin Cook has been banged up. Alvin Kamara got hurt. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other. Saquon, Zeke. It just hasn't been a great year for, 
for high-end first-round running backs. And then lastly, we got tight ends. So tight end, I got Noah Fant. Again, similar situation to Cortland Sutton. Just that offense is is clearly run heavy and, and only resorts to the pass if needed. He has 10-plus points in only five games this season, and he has a total of three touchdowns on the whole year. And he only has 19 catches in the last five games, so he's averaging less than four catches per game. Tight end is an extremely, extremely thin position. And Noah Fan was likely not drafted that high. He was probably a guy where your team, you wanted to bolster every other position. You're like, eh, I can get a tight end late. Noah Fan could, could be good. And he just hasn't. He has not been that good. There's so many weapons in that offense catered to, eh, eh, not catered to, but led by a, a mediocre QB at this point in time. And simply put, I, I think that, You'd have a better chance, maybe even streaming a tight end. No fan, just he's getting like five points a game uh, for the last like seven games. He just hasn't been that good. Uh, you know, I thought this guy had a lot of potential. I saw it last year, and he's just—it's not panning out. So don't star him if you can. If you have to, better pray. And then lastly, we got Kyle Pitts. He has four games over ten points the whole season, and then less than ten points in the last five games. He has had maybe two or three breakout games this season. Uh, it's kind of hard when Matt Ryan is is displaying uh, a big step back in his career. Uh, you can see he's starting to decline. Kyle Pitts really does remind me of Julio. He's a tight end that, that quote-unquote, a tight end. But he, he really does remind me of Julio. But he isn't really getting much done right now. Corderell Patterson is that focal point on offense. There hasn't been any Calvin Ridley to relieve some pressure in the secondary. There's nothing left to say. I think Kyle Pitts, a guy you probably drafted, he was probably maybe the fifth, sixth tight end drafted, potentially anywhere from five to seven, he was probably drafted, which would indicate, you know, he was probably drafted maybe in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round. So a decent draft pick given up for, for Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, nearing fantasy playoffs or trying to make fantasy playoffs, or if your fantasy playoffs already started, you really need this guy to come through with a decent game. And those are the people that need to step up in fantasy. There is no debate. They all need to get good. Simply put, for your fantasy teams, you better hope they do good. And we got our key matchups for week 14. This will be the last segment of the podcast. I want to talk about Moving into week 14, these are games to keep an eye out on. There are reasons to, and I will explain them. So Thursday night football, we got the Steelers sitting at 6-5-1 at the Minnesota Vikings, who are 5-7. The Steelers are one game out of a wild card spot, and the Vikings are currently in the hunt for a wild card spot. And it should be a very good game. We'll see how Alexander Madison can do against a very vulnerable Steelers run defense. And we will see how the Steelers can respond uh, the Vikings, a fairly good matchup for the passing attack, but Big Ben hasn't really done a lot passing-wise this year. So we'll see what can be done. Then we have the Sunday 1 p.m. game between... Oh, and when I say 1 p.m. Eastern time, of course. Uh, Raiders, who are 6-6 six and six at the 8-4 and four Chiefs. I think this is going to be a good matchup. 
I see this actually ended up being end up being a shootout despite the Chiefs defense playing pretty well and despite the Raiders defense playing pretty well. I think this is going to end up being a shootout. I like what I've seen from the Chiefs lately. I know I had a very hot take earlier in the year when I said that the Chiefs did look like a pretender team because of how bad their defense was playing, but they have really, really turned it full 180. And this is going to be a really good game to watch. The Raiders are looking to back, get back into a wildcard position. They fell out of it after they lost last week to the football team. And then the Chiefs are looking to extend their division lead and potentially get that number one seed and that bye. So, and, and just naturally, a division matchup going to be a very good game to watch. Sunday, I already briefly talked about it. We got the Ravens, who are 8-4 at the 6-6 six six Browns. The Browns are fighting for the division, technically speaking. There is still time left to work towards that division lead. And if not, they still are in the fight for the wild card. The Ravens are looking to win the division and work towards that number one seed. They are competing with the Chiefs. They are competing with the Patriots. And I think, honestly, I can say that the Titans have pretty much fallen out of that race. Uh, They look a little dysfunctional right now. But this should be a good game. I love divisional matchups. They're very, very fun to watch. Uh, so Ravens Browns, there was a pretty pretty hard fought defensive game the last time they matched up. We'll see if anything changes this time, but definitely a matchup to watch. Sunday, also at 1 p.m., we have the eight and four Cowboys at the six and six football team. Washington is technically in the mix for the division. Very similar situation as the Browns Ravens game. The Cowboys are trying to take a firm lead within the NFC East. And Washington just wants to keep their playoff hoops alive. It is going to be a hard-fought game. I do see the Cowboys winning this one. But I, I, it would be pretty cool to see the football team upset them. Moving on, we got the Bills at the the 7-5 and five Bills at the 9-3 and three Buccaneers. So the Bills are competing with the Patriots for the AFC East. The Patriots are 9-4, and four, still have not had their bye. The Bills are 7-5 and five and have had their bye. Hopefully they can move within one game. After this week, it's going to be a very tough game. The Buccaneers are absolutely dominant this year. To anyone's surprise, not really. The Bills, you know, at the very least, looking to get a playoff spot. The Bucks are looking to fight for that number one seed with Arizona Green Bay and the Cowboys, technically speaking. So we will see what happens in that matchup. And then, of course, we got Monday Night Football, another divisional matchup between the 8-4 Rams and the 10-2 Cardinals. The Rams are looking to come within one game of the NFC West, but the Cardinals are looking to separate themselves in the division and away from the Rams and want to secure that number one seed. This is a great Monday Night Football matchup. I'm very excited to watch it. I think it's going to be a great game, so definitely tune in. But these are your important games of the week, and I will go over them one more time. We got these Steelers at the Vikings, Raiders at the Chiefs, Ravens at the Browns, Cowboys at the football team, Bills at Buccaneers, and Rams at Cardinals. Going to be a great week of football. I am very excited. And lastly, we are going to end this episode with my locked-in and upset picks. I am 15-5 and five as of right now. I think that is very, very solid. Uh, last week... I had the Colts locked in against the uh, Texans, and I'm pretty sure they shut them out. And then I also had the Chargers upsetting the Bengals because technically the Bengals were the favorites in that game. And the Chargers absolutely dog-walked the Bengals. So I moved from 13-5 to 15-5. And And this week, my locked-in pick, Bears at Packers. I am taking the Packers 
Aaron Rodgers still owns them, according to him, quoting Aaron Rodgers. I think they absolutely blow the Bears out of the water. And then I upset. Drum roll, please. I'm picking the... <clears throat> wow. A little bit of a throat joke there. Uh, Lions at Broncos. I am taking the Lions. Let's go. I think this is a very winnable matchup. I don't like what I'm seeing from the Broncos right now. Uh, I, I honestly... what. This is kind of just a Hail Mary, but I would love to see the Lions go back-to-back with their wins and technically still be alive for the playoffs. It's actually crazy that somehow, some way, they are still in a playoff race. I don't. It's not going to happen, but I love rooting for the underdog. And I do think that the Lions have a winnable matchup this week. So we'll see what happens with that. Go Lions. That is it for this episode. I actually had a lot of fun talking on this episode. It was a great time. Uh, you know I'll be back next week. Season's starting to round out really well. We got a lot of crazy things happening, and I am here to talk about them. I hope you guys have enjoyed. And lastly, of course, I just need to know, are you down to football? 